2: Across the UK, online and
3: on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talk Sport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Cleaned off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers.
4: Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area.
3: World beating big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on talksport Sport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Another bonkers day in the world of football as news of a breakaway European Super League sends shockwaves through the men's game. But what could it mean for women's football?
1: I, I can't get my head around it. As I said earlier, I think it's vulgar the fact that these teams think they're better. Um, than, than the rest of the football pyramid and especially at the moment with everything that's going on in the last year.
3: Sheffield United's Courtney Sweetman, Kirk's thoughts earlier on on Talk Sport 2. Some better news, Northern Ireland make history after stealing qualification to the 2022 Women's Euros. Ukraine giving away at the fast. Is in the icing the cake? Coldwell. Sometimes dreams do come true. Northern Ireland are heading to the love it. Northern Ireland and Liverpool midfielder Rachel Furness is with us for the show. And we'll also be discussing the action and upsets in the Women's FA Cup as the Barclays FA WSL and Championship sides entered the competition.
0: I think Becky as a sub. She's really been causing problems and she sets up goal number seven for Chloe Kelly. And Chloe Kelly gathers the match ball, scores a hat-trick.
3: All that plus we talk Women's Champions League and a huge week in the WSL title race, this is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye
1: Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2.
3: Hello team, how are you all? Uh, Rachel Furness is with us today, fresh from that amazing qualification for the Euros. How are you, Rachel? How are the crutches? How's the leg? What's going on? I'm good. I'm very
1: good. I mean, I'm I'm still on cloud nine and I don't think it'll, it'll take a long time to kind of come down and for, you know, the, the realisation to kick in what we've actually just achieved. But it makes the healing of the leg um, a bit easier to take. And if you'd asked us would I break my leg to get through to a European campaign, I think I'd take
3: it. Love that. That's brilliant. That's proper dedication for you, especially you played that first leg for five minutes with a broken leg as well. So you pretty much did. Uh, Molly Hudson, busy day for you. You just about catching your breath? Yeah. Hi, Faye. Just a standard quiet Monday, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it just? Listen, and that's where we're going to start because there is only one place to start, really. Sunday's bombshell uh, from the 12 teams planning on creating the European Super League. Six Premier League teams involved in this. Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal. Uh, We could do an entire show on what appears to be a blatant money grab, arrogant manoeuvre from the big European teams to break away and essentially just look after themselves financially and forget everybody else. Uh, But... I want to draw your attention specifically to the two lines thrown into their proposal, seemingly as an afterthought with no context or meat on the bones whatsoever, regarding how this could impact women's football. Here is the paragraph. As soon as practicable, after the start of the men's competition, a corresponding women's league will also be launched, helping to advance and develop the women's game. Thank you so much for coming in and saving the women's game. We're so grateful for it. Um, I obviously have my own thoughts, as I'm sure you can guess, on this. And I'm pretty conscious that as an employee of Liverpool women's team, Rachel might be quite limited in what she can say. But Molly, let's start with you, because obviously you've been working uh, on The Times. Plenty of articles today on this. Firstly, your reaction.
2: Yeah, I think it's very much like what you were saying. It, It does feel like the women's game was certainly an afterthought. I think probably not a little bit naively yesterday afternoon was sort of watching all the revelations of men's football and thinking, oh, I'm really glad maybe we don't have to deal with that. You know, Maybe the women's game has, has that benefit of being further behind financially and, in truth, professionally. And it, it means that we won't have to kind of have that conversation at this point in time. Obviously, then the statement drops last night and you realise that, yes, this is, is going to affect women's football as well. And I think it is the fact that it's the afterthought and it's the fact that it's just so unclear as to how it will work in women's football because obviously the teams that are super clubs in men's football aren't in all cases or many cases in women's football. So I think that just adds to the the sort of uncertainty around it all and just the the lack of clarity, which I think is difficult then when when players and, and all of us try and speak about it. It's just like, here's here's some women's football, we might do this, but we don't really know yet.
3: Well, uh, you know, Maggie Murphy from Lewis FC pretty much said it all. She said it feels like a box-ticking exercise. Quick, add in a women's thing no thought gone into it at all and this is the thing you know we're talking about leon and wolfsburg for example not being involved in this no offense to to, to rachel obviously plays plays for liverpool but liverpool are in the championship in the domestic leagues in uh, in england so are they going to pluck liverpool out of there and put them in this european super league you just it doesn't make any sense none of it at all um i just want to Bring your attention to some of the comments that we've heard uh, from players. Um, Ada Hegerberg uh, says, I grew up loving the Champions League. Then I got to play in the Women's Champions League. Then I got to win five of them and come the all-time leading goalscorer. It's legacy. It's the past, present and future. And so is meritocracy in sports. Greed is is not the future. And I think this is the thing that's upsetting most people, Rachel. When we talk about football in this country, it is a meritocracy. You earn your place in the top league. You know, if you lose your place in the top league, you fight to get it back again. And that kind of competition is what would be lost with this kind of new competition.
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I have to agree. And I speak, you know, from, from being a, a fan. You know, I'm, I'm a Newcastle fan. I grew up dreaming of my club playing in the Champions League and you know it, it's it's really hard to comment it's especially in the women's you know side of things it's it was very vague it wasn't in depth at all and you know from a, a club point of view yes liverpool we are in the championship and we want to fight to get back in the WSL and so that's you know our priority at the minute and we don't know anything else um we've just got to concentrate on on doing that and you know keeping our feet on the ground and rising up the leagues that we want and I think yeah just for that vague statement it's, it's very hard to comment on something that is it does seem a lot of things and I have my opinion on it as as a football fan and I don't agree with I don't agree with it I don't agree agree with what's come out and it's 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 very hard to say a lot at the minute especially um mm. With kind of the women's side being a, like you say, an afterthought.
3: Yeah, Mo- Molly, it's it's interesting when you actually look at the the people behind this proposal, um, the owners. I mean, three American owners for a start, but then you've got Real Madrid, whose women's club is just a year old. Juventus, four years old. Manchester United, uh, thank you, Joe Glazer, three years old this is the kind of frustration that, that, that people then have is by sticking it in as an afterthought, then all of a sudden you're making f- people feel nervous and saying, well, you know, we've only just got this big television deal I, I, in the WSL. Things felt like they were going in, in the right direction and now you're bringing this into the mix. Is the, is the league going to lose all its so-called big teams? What's that going to mean? And, and it's the uncertainty and then the worry, when we've had years of worry within the women's game as it is, that this kind of vague statement then brings.
2: Yeah, and I think it's as you say. We're we're just getting to a point where it feels like we're we're really getting somewhere with the broadcast deal, and particularly one of my first thoughts upon reading this was the the Women's Champions League. We, we, we've re, we've read recently the the changes that are going to come in next season, which are going to make the competition much better, more sustainable, more competitive, and it's like we've finally found a format that works for the women's game, and now because. The men's Champions League, which is so far ahead, you know, for so many years, we're just going to throw away everything the women's game is done, just match that, Just it just doesn't make any sense, I don't think.
3: No, it it doesn't. And I actually, one of the things that was one of the first things I, I thought of, Rachel, is it feels as if before any kind of proposals of this nature are, are mentioned with, with regard to the women's game, we kind of need to get the domestic house in order, which we've been starting to get in order. Still a long way to go with it. But I feel as if that has to be the priority.
1: Yeah, I agree it does. And, you know, the men's game has is, is been running for... A long time and I think with the women's game we're trying to get some stability in especially with the new deal coming in and we're growing from strength to strength year on year and yes for me personally I think uh, don't run before you can jump but whatever saying that is just I think we're growing and we need to continue to grow and not maybe take that leap into the I guess the unknown just yet and and concentrate on on the leagues that we have got and protect them, um, because we are growing and we are improving and we are attracting more deals. And you know, with the with the expansion of the Champions League, more teams qualify, and that just shows the growth. And you know, for for I'm just really confused by it all. And Yeah, I think for the women's teams to get, you know, mixed into that, um, I think we need more information and more clarity on what it's going to be and what plans then it's going to how it's going to affect the the English
3: game. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder how much they've actually thought about it because if they've not put any context within that statement and not come out and and said anything else else about it, it makes you think they've not really thought it through at all. And, you know, additionally, it's understood that UEFA were close to securing a deal which would see men's Champions League teams... Commit to contributing around ten million pounds per season to the women's game, and when you think about the increased prize money, um, the TV deal, you know that would really change the landscape of of the existing competition and then this comes in and kind of feels like it sidelines all those all those kind of optimistic things that have been happening and actually Jess Fishlock uh, says it very well on Twitter i hope the women's game never becomes like the men's game for this exact reason pure pure greed and that's what it feels like and much as a lot of the time many people look at the women's game and say That there are, you know, amazing things they can take from the men's game and and bring in. Actually, the women's game is is trying to be sustainable and do exactly what the men's game hasn't done. Um, And that's vitally important. And being involved in anything like this makes that harder and harder and doesn't seem to make any sense. I feel like this is not the last we're going to have of this conversation. I feel like this is going to be brought up again. Um... Here on Women's Football Weekly, we, of course, will bring you all the latest with regard to that. If we get any meat on the bones, as it were, uh, from the European Super League uh, teams, then we'll bring it to you here on on Women's Football Weekly first and foremost. Uh, We're on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others, And I'm alongside Northern Ireland's Rachel Furness and uh, Molly Hudson from The Times as well. Coming up, happier times, we're chatting Northern Ireland's historic qualification for their first ever major tournament. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, Northern Ireland's record goal scorer, Rachel Furness and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app so you can download it today. Now then... On Tuesday night, Northern Ireland qualified for the 2022 Women's Euros with a 4-1 aggregate victory over Ukraine, and it capped off an incredible 17-year journey for the team who reformed in 2004. Let's hear what that famous night in Belfast sounded like.
0: Ukraine, away right at the back. Is this the icing on the cake? Well. Sometimes dreams do
1: come true. Northern Ireland are heading to the Euros. There's no words to describe this moment, you know, for all the hard work the girls have put in. Like
2: these are the moments you play football for, and for us to get here with this group, is, it's a phenomenal feeling, and been one of the best day of my lives.
1: No, um, it's one obviously, yeah, you always dream of as a little girl, but I can't, I can't put into words the feeling that us and everyone has got now. I'm just so proud to wear the shirt. I'm proud of every single one of the girls out there tonight, and we'll we'll enjoy it, because we've deserved it. Um, And we look forward to creating more history for this country.
3: so much to the irish football association for some of that audio i just giving me goosebumps so i don't know what it feels like for you rachel because I, it was just incredible I, I was at stoke watching the england game and switched over for the end of your game having been watching uh, throughout double screening it <laughs> the bet 365 but tell me what it was like for you standing there watching, heading every ball, kicking every ball on your crutches at the side of the pitch,
1: you know. Well, I'm, I'm sat here grinning from ear to ear just listening to all that. Um, really, just takes you back. But for me, s- sitting watching for 96 minutes, I describe it as you know it was it was the worst 96 minutes of my life. Um, I was I was heading every ball, kicking every ball. I think you know I still got a bit of a. A croaky voice now because I just wanted to try and communicate to the girls as much as I could and you know really spur them on to to run that extra bit because you know we all knew how important it was and um, but uh, what what a feeling when that when that final whistle went when, when we scored that second goal we knew it was um, it come home but honestly it was a, as I said earlier it was a, it was the best feeling in my whole entire life it was it was what you know. I've played football for for like all my life to, to get this moment. It's just, it's very difficult to put into words because it just means absolutely everything.
3: I think Molly's got a question for you. Sorry, Molly's not in front of me. She's a, she's at home, and I'm kind of messaging her, going, "You jump straight in, Molly." But I don't know if she can hear me or not, Molly.
2: Molly, <laughs> the joys of uh, working from home. One day soon, um, we when- will be back
3: in the same studio. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Rachel, I just wonder if um, you ever thought it would be possible when when you were growing up. Is it? It's almost beyond the wildest dreams, isn't it? It's Such a huge achievement.
1: Yeah, it is. And you know, I was. I first I got my first cap for Northern Ireland in two thousand and five, and I think in the past, um, not as bad as it is to say, we kind of we played just not to get beat, maybe move up the rankings, Um it was always a dream, but I don't think we ever thought that dream was, was possible. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed and I've been proud to wear the Northern Ireland shirt for as many years as I have. And I think when Kenny Shields come in, you know, um, I think it was 18 months ago, He, he he's changed Northern Ireland, Ireland's football forever. He's changed, he's, he's changed the way we play, the way we think just absolutely everything and at the start of the campaign when when we got a heavy we suffered a heavy defeat off Norway and um, I actually think that's the best <laughs> some of the best football we've played in a long time and you can see we got beat 6-0 but what we learned from that game taking it into Wales um, and you know we're trying to play football again in the second Norway game and we're then Learned a lot more, took it into the second Wales game. And even then, um, I don't think we realised that getting them true draws against Wales put us in good stead in the campaign um, because of our heavy defeat against Norway. So I'd say halfway through the campaign, we were just, we were just enjoying learning off Kenny, enjoying growing as, as a country again and really having that belief. And when someone said we had the possibility of qualifying, Honestly, it was, it just made you more hungry. The, the girls at home, we've got 17 part-time players that work nine or five, and then they go and do a session on an evening with the coach. And yeah, it's just, I can't, I can't put it into words, but the belief was just there in this campaign. And one of the girls said it was written in the stars. You know, we've, we've had so many injuries this campaign, um, six starters, We're missing um, for the last three, four, five games. And the squad we've now got and the belief we've got in the squad for everyone to fill in each other's shoes, I I just believed we were going to do it, and we did. And you're going
3: to be a Panini sticker.
1: (laughs) That's the first thing I said when I did an interview. My friend texted us and was like, Rachel, the, the books we've collected growing up as kids... You're gonna be on one, and honestly, that's that's when I said I've made it. <laughs> you know, like life's kind of you know that tick box. Um, I always said before I w- retired, I wanted to try and qualify for a major tourna- tournament with Northern Ireland, and
3: yeah, d- dreams do come true. <laughs> Listen, it, it would be special regardless of, of where the tournament was, but is there something that makes it a little bit more special because it's going to be a home Euros?
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, I've I've lived all my life in England and um, three quarters of my family are English. And I, I just think it's massive, the support. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of the England girls that I grew up with, Jill Scott, Carly Telford, and the messages of support and congratulations that them have sent me just saying, you know, I, I wouldn't have wanted it to happen to no one else, like how hard I've worked or my career I just think it is so special and the green and white army that's going to come over I think um, if I'm honest nations are are going to want us to qualify for every championships because
3: we're going to blow everyone out of the water with the support we're going to be bringing I can't wait to see and hear that for sure Um, you mentioned Kenny Shields a few times there and what what he's done for you let's hear from the Northern Ireland manager shall we here's what he had to say after the game
4: I, I can't because I was nervous as a kitten today and in, in the Stormont Hotel and I was like what happens if we don't do it because these girls are so wound up they want to get on the pitch I wanted to get them on the pitch I was nervous we didn't play well it, we, we we shut their spaces down it was excellent the way we did that but we didn't uh, we weren't creative but if you look at the whole piece of the 90 minutes you know, if they don't score two, we go through, they didn't have a chance in the whole match. And that's testament to how we defended as groups within within the team. I have to say, I'm, I can't believe we've beaten a nation the size of Ukraine. It goes down in my book the best ever achievement of any sporting team or individual in, in the UK. Absolutely, for her especially, and Dino, they're fantastic girls and they're so proud to wear the shirt and I I was so pleased for them, I really was. We could, and this is no exaggeration, we could write, we could have a film about this achievement. Really, we could, and it would be so eventful. It would be ups and downs, getting beat 6-0 and, you know... We have won six matches in a row now, right now, which is amazing. I can't believe the transformation of the outcomes. It's been incredible.
3: That was Northern Ireland manager Kenny Shields there. And I mean, you can hear the emotion in his voice. And actually, there could be a a movie made. It would be absolutely incredible. Just finally, Rachel, though, what do you think could be the potential impact of this on women and girls football in Northern Ireland?
1: I think it's massive. Um, I actually think you know, for any young girl watching and, and dreaming of wearing the the green shirt, it's I think it's just being made more visible. I think that the fact we're live on BBC Two, you know, the investment now that is going to be put in, a, in a women's and girls' football in Northern Ireland is is going to be massive. And I think, well, I do know we we we've changed a generation. Um and forever we've changed um, football in Northern Ireland and I can't wait to sit back and just watch it grow from strength to strength.
3: Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And listen, as myself and Molly Hudson said on our on our group WhatsApp chat earlier on today, thank goodness for Northern Ireland after the bonkersness of football over the last couple of days. Uh, you've lifted everybody's spirits for, for sure and we wish you really well uh, in next year's Euros. I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to talk about it. Uh, this is for sure. Uh, this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Carruthers. Rachel Furness, you were just hearing from there, Northern Ireland's top scorer and Molly Hudson from The Times as well. Next up, we're going to recap the Lionesses' horror match against Canada and catch up on the weekend's FA Cup action. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/slash host.
3: Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Carruthers and keeping you company with me is Rachel Furness and Molly Hudson. There was another game on Tuesday night, England losing 2-0 to Canada. Um, Rachel was busy (laughs) that night watching something far more important, but I know she caught up on the game uh, afterwards. Molly Hudson was there, as was I. Two errors, one from Demi Stokes two minutes into the match and the other from Karen Barsley right at the end of the game. I mean, Molly, what was
2: your assessment of it? It's difficult because it does feel as though we're almost saying lots of things that we seem to have said quite a lot before. I think we've said them on this show um, since the the Women's World Cup, really. Um, There's been a lot of defensive errors and Leah Williamson mentioned it in the build-up that they really need to sort of urgently fix them now. And it, it felt very much like we hadn't really learned too much. We were just seeing the, the same errors that we'd seen before, I think. It's just it's almost like a period of procrastination between the World Cup and the next major tournament and we're just not really gaining anything in between, it feels. Um, but on the other hand, Lauren Hemp was brilliant. So mm. we did learn that she she's in fantastic form and has managed to, to bring that from her club.
3: And actually, Georgia Stanway can play in a deeper midfield role which was also interesting to see, and you know, we're we're glass half full people, Molly. I would say, and so I always try to take the positives. But watching England over the past eighteen months or so has been frustrating. Four wins in fourteen matches since that World Cup quarter final victory over Norway. It just feels very static. And I know that there's been almost a year with with, with no football at all. I understand that. Uh, me and producer Flo were having a chat about this earlier and trying to figure out exactly what it is about this England side at the moment that just does not seem to be clicking. And, and we're struggling to come up with this. Is there anything you can think of?
2: It's difficult because it, the, you look at the players on paper and you, you see the incredible potential there. And it actually sort of, I know we don't like comparing to men's football, but it does sort of remind me of that, you know, that those generations of England players that haven't quite achieved on the men's side. And, you know, you like to think that this team had the potential to to win in a major tournament. Obviously, there was the She Believes Cup um, in 2019. But a, a proper major tournament, it feels like we're just falling a little bit short. And I think the problem for that is that the combinations aren't quite there. For me, uh, centre-back is, is still a problem. Leah Williamson, incredible for Arsenal. Millie Bright, incredible um, for Chelsea. Steph Horton, incredible for Manchester City. But the together, it's never quite works, and mm. I think that's an area where uh, England have been quite weak. And obviously, we we can't read too much into these games because, uh, particularly defensively, there were uh, a number of injuries, and obviously they were friendlies as well. But I think that's an area where going into a major tournament, England's opposition must think we can really. Attack them because they do have that weakness, and they don't seem to have been a, able to really find a way to, to stop that at, at any point over the last sort of two years now, almost.
3: Rachel, I know you watched the game afterwards. Um, I'm sorry for that ninety minutes of your life. You'll you'll never get back. Um, but what? What did you assess as, you know, potential opponents um, at the Euros next year? What did you assess of them? And I know when you played them, you lost 6-0 against them, but it felt as if they were different against France and Canada. And it seems as if they're missing something, perhaps.
1: Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, when they they played against us, um, it was the first game, under Hegarisa and we are a smaller, a smaller nation that they are expected to win and they're coming up against countries that are in and around them and even obviously exceeding them now and I think they did look bright going forward at times but they just lack that cutting edge um, whether that's, you know, relationships in the team that they're, they're just, they're not quite gelling yet I don't know but, you know, when you're winning games, you get confidence from that. And if they are playing and they're winning together, then they're going to grow together. But I think at the minute, I just feel like they're in a bit of a a rut. And um, yes, they are playing very good countries, but they're continuing to make the same errors. And I, I don't know what I don't know what it is. I mean, you look on paper, like Molly said, the players are fantastic. Some of the players are world class. But why can't these world class players come together and and gel together and be you know a strong nation you know nations are going to come up against England and think okay they're making errors and play on that and it's it's mentality as well and England girls' mentality they know they're making mistakes and they're trying to cut them out but that does eat away as a footballer and um, I think you know the cutting edge going forward is it is it lack of confidence playing for your country? Um, it's, it's hard to sum up when you, when you look at the team that England have got and the opposition's playing against. They, they, they should be winning. So it's, I can't put my finger on on why they're not. And yes, we have been discussing this for the, for the last two years. Um, the positives were Hemp, she's been fantastic for Man City, Young kid coming through, and she she was brilliant for England, as along with Stanway playing in that deeper role. So to take them positives out of it is good, but I think the team as a whole not winning games, so that like, the confidence, I guess, is
3: low in in the whole team. Yeah, it, it feels like that. But then partly, I I wonder whether there's this pressure on them at the moment, having reached the semi-finals of, of the World Cup. You know, at times not playing their best football either. To then, you know, have all the turmoil that they've had with is Phil Neville going, staying, whatever's going on. The amount of attention that then was was brought on them in 2019. Then the pandemic. I I, I just wonder whether maybe it's all a bit too much. They're kind of thinking. You know, I, I I don't know. We we did come up with a couple of theories, and I'm loath to kind of say them because, having met a lot of these players, they don't come across like this at all. But perhaps there was almost an element of complacency um, amongst some of them that they'd got that recognition finally, but then they're not quite able to push on to the to the next level.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. Sure, so. I mean, I, it's hard to kind of to sum it up and. You know, not having to qualify, you know, with England hosting the Euros next year. I think if the girls had to qualify, we might have seen a different England team. It's hard when, yeah, you go into friendlies and, you know, what of the girls say, you know, I can just take from my own experience with Northern Ireland. We've been fighting as a family to get through, to qualify for these championships. And, you know, we, we've... We know what's at stake and I don't know because I know a lot of the girls as well so I wouldn't say they were complacent. Um, I mean, could they be under pressure knowing, I guess, playing for England and, and the, the pressure that that brings that, you know, you see a lot of club players not performing for the country. Is it something to do with that? Um, but it's hard. You could say complacency but because I know a lot of the girls personally, I don't want to say that.
3: Yeah, I, well, I mean that's how I feel having in, having interviewed them. You know, and I'm I'm an impartial journalist, but you know you get an impression of people and you get an impression of, of, of the effort that they put in and the type of people that, that they are and that's certainly not the kind of you know, people I, I see them as and I, I I want them to do well and I think that the majority of the press pack supporting uh, England and reporting on them want them to do well and it's just a frustration uh, that they're just not achieving their potential at the moment. Um, right, Women's FA Cup results from, from the weekend, some big wins for some of the uh, Barclays FAWSL top clubs, the biggest upset, uh, saw Lewis knocked out by Southampton FC women 2-1 in the end. Everton left it late to beat Durham 2-1. Sorensen scoring in the 95th minute. Charlton pushed to extra time against Oxford United but eventually came through 2-1 winners. This story interested me actually. Rachel I'd like to know from a player's point of view what you thought of it. Um, West Ham goalkeeper Mackenzie Arnold playing centre midfield in their 11-0 win against Chichester. Do you think that's disrespectful? Because I looked at some of the tweets that um, Chichester and Chelsea had put out and certainly those players felt as if there was a, la- a lack of class in that particular move. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, it's it's a real tough one because when you're, when you're getting beat and your opposition put on a goalkeeper in centre midfield it would come across really disrespectful. Um, I did see a few of the tweets and I think Kate Longhurst said, you know, the run in that West Ham have now got. Um, I mean other are other low-on bodies, you don't know. They are mm-hmm. fighting to stay in the WSL. But I think you're nine, 10, 11 nil up, you don't need to put your goalkeeper on. you you're not you're not going to get beat. Just slow it down, reserve energy girls, just pass it about, just just wrap the game up. Absolutely. Um, so yes, it, for me it does come across disrespectful because I don't think they needed to do that because they had they had subs. It's not as if West Ham only had one substitute there to put on. I think they're not meant to be disrespectful. Um, you know, in I think when the tweet come out it was West Ham, she doesn't need our gloves, she's going on and in center midfield but overall um you don't like to see that um in football um yeah. because i know if i was playing on the other team and a goalkeeper come on, I would see that as being very disrespectful.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. It it just it just stank a little bit, I thought. Um, a full-strength Manchester City team, though, beat a weakened Aston Villa side 8-0. Chloe Kelly getting her first hat-trick for City in that one. And Viviana Midamar marking her 100th Arsenal appearance with a goal in their 10-0 thrashing of Gillingham. Now, I've just gone on the FA <laughs> website to try and see who has drawn who in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Um, the, the the ties are going to be played on Sunday the 16th of May, bearing in mind all the ties were yesterday. It's still not been updated, by the way, um, of who's beaten who, and my head cannot go through every single one of those uh, uh, ties and work it out. And so this is something, again, that we talk about regularly on Women's Football Weekly. These are the kind of things the FA really need to get on top, on, on top of, I would say. Update your website when the games happened yesterday. Um, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Rachel Furness and Molly Hudson. Next we're going to be talking Champions League and looking ahead to the big Barclays FAWSL fixture on Wednesday night. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talksport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football, with me, Faker Others, Molly Hudson from The Times, and Liverpool's Rachel Furness. If you miss any of the show, don't forget you can catch up by downloading the Talksport app and subscribing to our podcast. You just need to search for Women's Football Weekly. Uh, now, then, massive result in the UEFA Women's Champions League as seven time winners, Lyon, were knocked out yesterday by their domestic rivals, PSG, in the rescheduled quarterfinal second leg. Uh, Leon went into the match with a 1-0 lead and added to that fairly early on. Katerina Macario opening up the scoring in the fourth minute but PSG came flying back plenty of chances before eventually equalising in the 24th minute and then oh so cruel, Leon's star defender and captain Wendy Renard scored an own goal to send the holders out of the competition and it ends Leon's five title streak that dates back to 2015 meaning there's going to be a brand new winner of the the UEFA Champions League this season. PSG is going to host Barcelona in their first semi-final leg on Sunday and uh, Chelsea go to Bayern on Sunday as well for their first leg. Uh, Rachel Furness, is this the best chance Chelsea are going to have of lifting the Champions League?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, Leon getting knocked out yesterday was was massive and I mean, all the whole country behind Chelsea um, if there's a time to win it, it's now and You know, I wish Emma Hayes and and the team all the best. I think they can really go on and do it this year.
3: I love that you've said that because the debate always rages on, um, certainly on the sports bar on on talk sport over whether or not other teams should support rivals in terms of uh, the Champions League. Slightly different in women's football, though, Molly, isn't it? And actually, you know, only Arsenal have won the Champions League in in terms of uh, a a women's side from the UK. So it would be amazing if Chelsea could do that
2: yeah I think so, and i I tend to agree that I like to see you know whichever english team is in the in, in the competition doing well. but I also think it's an interesting sort of marker of the women's super league because we we have been waiting for so long to find out if a club really was ready to topple Leon and you know in a way p s g have have done it for Chelsea um but I think it's always a good sort of measuring bar of of how good the women's super league is. Um, particularly with Chelsea, and Manchester City being you know relatively close in the league this time around, but Chelsea have really, it appears, uh, gained that experience from from playing in recent seasons that they've managed to take into Europe, and I think you know it, it has to be their best chance. And I think it's it's so nice to sort of see the 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 project that Emma Hayes has put so much work into kind of coming to fruition at this point because I know that she said and only so if the players have that this is the one they're all so desperate to win.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, when you look at the changes that are coming into the Champions League next year as well, with the group stages, three uh, English teams being able to qualify as well, it's quite exciting times for the competition. And it does feel as if, with Lyon going out, competition's improving.
2: Yeah, I think it was, it, again, it's like I touched on earlier, it does feel as though... It's the worst possible time to to mention a dreaded European Super League because it's so exciting to actually see where where the Women's Champions League is at the moment and and how exciting that that competition will be in the future. And I think this season has actually shown how particularly those group stages maybe weren't that that we don't have were maybe needed this year. And I think now getting to this stage of the competition, it's where it really starts and. The, the games are just so competitive, you really can't call it for in any of the games
3: no and i tell you what you can't call either is um chelsea having to go to the city football academy to face manchester city in what could be the wsl title decider on wednesday night oh i don't know where i sit with this i think i do i think i do but i don't want to say it out loud uh, chelsea have never actually won a fixture in normal time at the cfa but they did beat city 4-2 in extra time in the continental cup quarter final back in january they were 3-1 winners at kings meadow as well earlier on in the season um, Rachel, are you going to dare to put your neck on the line and say who you think is going to come out on top in this one?
1: Well, it's massive, isn't
3: it? Because, um, I mean, if City win,
1: then the the title's in their hands and, you know, if same the other way with Chelsea. But it's tough with, with Chelsea having Bayern Munich, uh, you know, a few days after, but... That's why Emma Hayes has, has built a squad. Um, you know, she's invested heavily in the squad to compete in the league as well as compete in the Champions League and every cup that's gone. And I think she'll put out the best team to to get the result at City. Uh, I'd, I'm going to back Chelsea, but bear in mind they've got the Champions League midweek. Um, would Emma take a draw if she's then going to win their first leg of the Champions League? it's a, it's a very tough one to call
2: oh molly come on yeah i i have to say i think i agree with pretty much everything rachel said there i think on paper and if you look at the two t- kind of look at this league fixture in isolation i would probably put my money on chelsea in terms of winning it but it's so difficult w- with the champions league and obviously how difficult it is even getting to that stage of the champions league and we know how important it is to chelsea but I think what Hayes will obviously be hoping the ideal scenario is they can get an early goal, and you know maybe they do do have that ability to rotate. I think for me, it's it's defensively that they don't have as many options. That is, is where you know heavy legs coming into the, the Bayern Munich game potentially. But I think uh, I would have to go with Chelsea. But it is such a crucial week if they if they win both of these games you genuinely could be talking about you know a, a quadruple it's it's not out of the question
3: don't do that look what it did to Manchester City men's team don't jinx them <laughs> um yeah it's going to be absolutely fascinating I, and I'm with both of you I, I've got feeling Chelsea have got the edge but you know that Manchester City have got an upset in them for sure. Uh, Other games on Tuesday West Ham play Aston Villa massive that is uh, in the bottom of the table just uh, two points separating them that's a huge game. Saturday uh, Villa in action again against Bristol City God Aston Villa have got two crucial games coming up haven't they and then on Sunday Manchester United Tottenham Arsenal Brighton Birmingham Reading and West Ham again Uh, they've Face Everton um, and then the following Wednesday it's Birmingham against Aston Villa. Aston Villa catching up on all those games they have in hand they desperately need some points on the board because they are propping up the table. Right so some cracking fixtures uh, in the women's football uh, this week it has been a pleasure to have Molly Hudson from the Times with us again take care Molly have a good week. Thanks Faye. Rachel Furness, congratulations again. Uh, Stay up there on Cloud9. It's a much happier place to be than where the rest of us in football are at the moment. (laughs) Uh, We'll hopefully get you back on soon. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Brilliant stuff. Next week, let's see what women's football throws up again for us. There's going to be plenty to talk about as ever, but thank you to Rachel Furness, Molly Hudson, Kenny Shields, producer Flo, who, by the way, is going to be bringing you all the updates on TalkSport from that massive game between Manchester City and Chelsea on Wednesday night. Uh, Thank you as well, as ever, for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app.